Chavais Episode 7 featuring Ugo Cordoba and music by Piano Push Play. Welcome to Javice, where Jay and Jason give advice on all things important. My name is Jay Flewelling. And I'm Jason Williams. <laughs> I am a Portland comedian. And I'm, I'm a filmmaker. And, you know, a lot of times when I was a teenager, and Jason was a teenager five years ahead of me, though, or four, four years ahead of me, uh, people often would just, pff, problems, like walking down the street, a problem would just fall right right in front of me well like a like a nest would uh, just yeah. fall and like there's no a nest. baby bird or there's just baby birds and no just baby birds and no real bird and you yeah had... and i would just know oh what to do i would just just yeah. get it off you know like i would just you know get the nest nurse the birds yeah. and they just survive and and i don't know how how it happens with you but i see like a flash and it's like all this knowledge. There's like e, e equals MC squared, like flash and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden I have the answer. Yeah. Well, mine's more tactile. Like, you know, I just feel three options that will work. One feels the best maximum survival. I'm like, oh, this lady needs to cross the street. I need to stop these cars so she doesn't get hit. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I, I see her getting hit and I'm, I'm like crying next to her or and i also see one where i'm like stop cars yeah uh this this person is gonna get on a rope swing and jump into a river they don't see the alligator i saw it i felt it and okay. i stopped them i took i tackled the, i cut the rope they they did fall and hurt themselves but they didn't die yeah and also you fed the alligator afterwards yes i did know? i went to safeway and i got two steaks on sale but i gave it to him i wasn't like cutting him out of this dinner deal yeah and see that's that's how we have to do it it's yeah. just a vice it's just a part of our, our uh sixth sense yeah. maybe I don't and know. you know not to come back to the alligators but a bystander was there saw the whole thing took a picture i was on the front page of the newspaper no big deal yeah. you've been on several times several USA he was Day. like you need to share this gift with the world and i was yeah. like you're right okay and so i was like well i know somebody else my mentor really because he's four years older than me who also has this gift and we you created Javice. And, you know, it's weird. I, I have a mentor and he's four years younger than me. So. Are you talking about me? I am. Oh, man. Aww. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah. Well, we are joined today with a, a fantastic guest, the most professional guest we've ever had. And, you know, his problem, what he needs advice on. We're just recording it down for the history books so that people can follow it and really incorporate it into their life. So uh, I want to introduce you to Ugo Cordova. Hello, hello, Jay and Jay. Hello. <laughs> Welcome. That, that was a professional hello. That was very you. professional. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Javice. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm glad you invited me over. We are glad that you're here as well. Yes, very glad. And we want to know a little bit more about you because you started out, you're from Ecuador, correct? Yes, I was born in Riobamba, Ecuador, which is uh, a small city. It has like 250,000 people living there. That's about two and a half hours south from Quito, which is the capital of Ecuador. Mm -hmm. yeah. Fun place. But then you moved to the States to for college? Yes. So basically, you know, I graduated. Oh, no, I was in my senior uh, year of high school. And my, oh, my uh, had a group of six friends, my best buddies. They all came over here to as exchange students to the U.S. So I was left behind. When I graduated from high school, my dad said, so what do you, what do you want to do? So the first thing that came out of my mouth was like, I want to get out of here. I want to go and 
literally go, you know, follow my friends, mm-hmm. and that's how I moved to the United States. And so you went to University of Houston in Texas? No, no. I, fir- I first moved to LA. Uh, I was there because uh, even though I started taking uh, English class since I was six years old, I never really had the chance to practice speaking the language. So by the time I moved to LA, I knew how to read and write, but I didn't know how to speak it, believe it or not. So I had to go there and uh, I spent about seven months at a, uh, like a pre-college type of thing learning English and then on to Texas and then I moved to and then my best friend calls me from Texas like what are you doing there come over you know it's much better over here so I moved to Texas to Houston what are just initial reactions to Texas you know imagine living in LA (laughs) you know it's the same thing beautiful place (laughs) in that sand I had a couple friends in 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 LA and I, and I told them, hey, you know, I think I'm gonna end up moving to Houston. They're like, are you, are you mine? <laughs> uh, you know, obviously these, these guys are all, you know, 100% Californians, if you will. Mm-hmm. But uh, it was uh, it was a shock, you know, uh, in, all, in all matters. Uh, but it was, it was, it was, uh, it was fun. You know, my best, my best friend was there. So that was what was important at the time for me. And now, you know, as I only had spent uh, seven months in, in the country, I was still learning, you know. So every, every city for me was just amazing, you know. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then also, you, you like to travel? Like, I, I love traveling. And you've been to some pretty exotic places like Egypt and china places yeah. like that I, morocco Mor- yeah that was awesome morocco is like one of those awesome that's one of the places i want to go yeah Mor- morocco you know i was uh i spent i think i was there for like three days this was a solo backpacking trip mm-hmm. and um had a crazy story i was there with uh you know met a, uh, the first day that i uh, i hired a guide so i hired him for the day he took me out you know took me all the different places and at the end of the day the guy said well i'll be here tomorrow morning eight o'clock to pick you up i'm fine that night i went out and i met these two girls <laughs> you know became really good friends and uh, they were from casablanca so they were visiting as well and uh, so they they said well maybe you know we can show you around tomorrow I said fine come back tomorrow morning so they show up at the same time as this guide shows up to pick me up and this guy goes berserk. He goes crazy. He's like, "What are you doing?" And he starts screaming at this poor two girls. And and uh, you know, all, all this stuff is going on in Arabic. I have no idea what was going on. The police shows up. Oh, wow. And you know, I have all these ideas going through my head, thinking, "Oh my God!" You know, so, uh, uh, this whole thing is going to go south. I'm going to get arrested. I'm in Morocco <laughs> by myself. Finally, uh, I stop a taxi cab that was driving by. The two girls jumped in. I jumped in and this guy was, he literally ran behind the taxi for like a block screaming. So that was, that was the memorable uh, memory that I have from Morocco. What was he upset about? Well, he thought that she, that these two girls were selling his business because uh, I have, you know, I was going to have to pay him for the whole day of... uh, of taking oh, me around okay, okay. so I, yeah in the, in the middle of this whole screaming I told him hey listen you know don't worry about it you know I, I pay you for the day just relax man mm-hmm. and he wouldn't let it go he wouldn't have it somebody yeah. had a recent experience where somebody flipped out on them oh I had a, a really bad date and someone flipped out on me but uh I mean they weren't freshly hearing your story and freshly hearing that story 
I think that they're probably equal. I think they're not because I'd much, <laughs> I'd much rather be in a different country and watching it happen in front of me than it happening to me. Well, but that happened to him. Well, it is. I mean, they were. It, it sounded like uh, he was yelling at the girls, and the girls were. Yeah. Well, he was yelling. Was, obviously, was he but he, mad at he you? did. However, did he did yell at me a little bit? Mm-hmm. But I think he was afraid to yell at me because. Even though I don't he wants your look business. America, yeah, but mm-hmm. it's funny, and and this goes applies to to all my trips in in the Middle East. Uh, as soon as I start speaking English, people think I'm American. Mm-hmm. They don't realize, you know, my heavy accent right. that I have is you know my Spanish heavy accent. But so they treat you differently. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they either treat you better or worse. So he did. He didn't dare to. I guess. Uh, escalate the situation because he'll probably get in trouble um what was your favorite place you've ever been wow that's a good one my favorite place uh was probably china you know china uh, you know the the middle east is uh particularly cairo where where i used to go on a regular basis you walk in the street it's streets of cairo and it feels like you're walk, uh, walking around some town in ecuador so they're very similar mm-hmm. But China was completely different. China is like one of those places that has nothing to do if you you know if you haven't been on an Asian country before with anything else. Okay. And um, I don't know. It's uh, it's just uh, it's kind of magical, you know. I had the chance to go out and 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 walk through uh, on the on the Great Wall and and just the food, everything, every single custom and tradition that, this, that they have is has nothing to do with anybody else, and it's it's very. Uh, it was walking like it was like it felt like I was walking on a movie st- stage, you know, kind of yeah. thing. Yeah, it's awesome. Very awesome cool. place. I felt that way in Detroit. <laughs> I thought it was like a zombie movie. But you had a lot of other international experience with like studying abroad in Vienna, France, and then you were also an intern for the World Trade Organization. Yeah, that was that was. Uh, I got lucky on that one because basically, what a, you know, this was somewhere in between my my college time. I uh, I decided that you know I had enough of Texas. I wanted to travel a little bit. This was after I took that solo trip in, in Europe, and I really fell in love with Europe. So I told myself, find a way to go back there and find a way to stay longer. So uh, the the university where I was going, St. Thomas, had this uh, study abroad program, which only lasted for two months in France. It was you know you go there with a group of uh, classmates and uh, one of your teachers. But I uh, figured, hey, that's only two months. So I talked to one of the advisors and said, is there any way you guys can help me to get somewhere in Europe and stay longer? The guy said, well, we don't have any programs like that, but we used to have a program with Reading University in, uh, in the UK. Maybe I could call somebody there and arrange something. So he managed to contact somebody there. And um, and they said, well, if, you, if you're not calm, you have to come as a... Uh, not through an study abroad program, but you have to register as a regular student. I'm like, it was fine as long as you guys let me. So they did, but I had this about two months in between France and uh, the UK. So I was like, what should I do? What should I do? And then I was, at that point, I kind of already wanted to go towards that uh, international studies, uh, kind of like diplomacy career. So mm-hmm. I figured, hey, this is a chance to apply for an internship uh, with the United Nations. So one night I sat with a can of beer <laughs> and uh, I wrote a letter, just a general letter, and I emailed that letter to probably 50 different places and addresses that I found in the, Uni- you know, the United Nations and waited. 
two weeks before I was supposed to go back to France, uh, supposed to go to France rather, I got a reply back from, uh, you know, the guy who was m- later my boss. And, and so this is, these are just cold letters. Cold letters. Just sending out cold letters and you got one reply in the nick of time. And I, exactly. And I that's, love it. You know, after that, it, it made me feel so, I mean, it's the, the feeling of, you know, anything is possible just came up you know and, and so every time uh, you know somebody in college told me you know i should do this but it's gonna be hard i always tell them you know what just do it send send you know write people call people and and somebody's gonna come back and and i think what mostly happens people are scared to even do it so they don't even do that yeah so like very few people possibly do what you do and if they did they'd Exactly. You know, might have yeah. the chance to do it. You know? I really love that story because it's a lot of innovation that I do as well. And I like you, know, you tell people like if you st- think negatively, negative things will happen. If you think yeah. positively, or you send out fifty cold letters. Yeah, exactly. If you're gonna do the work, like, yeah. yes, it can totally or, happen. Or like the majority of people aim for the middle instead of the top. So yeah. mm-hmm. the, you know? the funny thing is, though, I was never negative. Like I, w- I, I, you know, after sending all those letters, I was certain that something was gonna come. And you know, well, I, I, preach. You know, and I, I guess it's just you know, you, you bring those good vibes or whatever. Yeah. So. Well, okay. So another thing, one of your passions is climbing, and you have this amazing opportunity. The same thing happened where you weaseled your way, or like were given the opportunity to go on a National Geographic. Yeah, adventure. That, that was amazing. That was awesome. Uh, well, I started climbing. You know, uh, actually, I started climbing. Believe it. Well, Ecuador. You know, where I'm from, it has. Uh, a lot of peaks it's very uh, to climb a lot of people travel there from europe in the u.s to to climb uh i was born uh, as i mentioned before in riobamba in riobamba right next to riobamba we have uh, this peak it's a, it's a mountain it's called chimborazo which is about uh i think it's almost twenty-one thousand feet high so you know every morning i look through i wake up as a kid and look I look through the window and i see this mountain in there but I never really, you know, I was saying, I'm going to climb this thing. But I never did until actually I moved to the United States. So truly that passion for climbing came about when I moved to the U.S. Um, and, uh, but I always had that contact with, with friends and climbers in Ecuador. And that's how I got involved into the the National Geographic trek. Yeah, because I mean, you were going to go there anyway. Your trip got canceled. And they're like, well, why don't you uh, be an interpreter for this National Geographic and get to kick around with these world-renowned photographers and writers and do the same trip for less. Yeah, yeah, it was a group. It was a group of seven scientists. Well, this scientist came from different universities of, uh, of uh, here in the U.S. Uh, we had... Uh, Think like 10 porters and two cooks it was truly an expedition you know like the, but uh it was fun it was a trip that is uh, not too many people has have done it because it was, it's a the name of the mountain is a volcano an active volcano that we climb is a is located at a, a very remote location it's called sangai thing is seventeen thousand feet high and uh, it takes about three days to get in there I mean, you're walking through the, literally walking through the mountain up and down, gaining and losing about 3,000, 4,000 feet elevation. So it's, it's, it's very hard. I was, I was kind of scared to it, really, because I, I figured, you know, all these people, because I read the resumes before going, and all these people are really, you know, they have been travel and climb all kinds of mountains, and I feel that, oh, my God, you know, the, <laughs> I don't want to be the, yeah. the weak link. You're yeah. the one they have to save. Exactly. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it, it was, uh, we made it to the top. The scientists were able to collect all those samples, and um, 
the uh, there was no photographer actually in there so I, I just happened to 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 bring my camera and I took pictures and I got lucky because most of those pictures were actually featured at the at the National Geographic uh, blog or website uh, when that's, they uh, that's amazing yeah, that, so that's huge it, it is and, and most important I still in touch with the lead uh, uh, with the with the lead person of the expedition who's um, who lives uh, who, who's a scientist you know basically yeah mm, that's a wonderful connection um, I also you're also a horse whisperer as a, <laughs> are, are you playing polo uh, no I'm a I'm a cat whisperer a cat whisperer <laughs> okay I have two cats no uh, yeah horses is uh, you know growing in Ecuador uh, you know you're in the mountains so you're surrounded by a lot of uh, 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 farms and things like that. So most of my uh, my friends' parents own farms in, in Ecuador. So uh, since I was I don't know ten, fifteen, we always uh, have been always been around horses. Um, and uh, one of my my best friends, uh, best, fr best friends rather, uh, a father was a polo player in Ecuador. So we used to watch him play and. And that's when I kind of like, you know, like the game and learn about it. And then I moved to Houston and um, uh, I got involved with the Houston Polo Club. And I, you know, I got really into it and uh, realized that was good. Varsity good. <laughs> yeah, well, that was that was later because, yeah, I started playing and when I moved to Houston. And then when I moved, when I was at the, going to school in the UK, uh, it was great because they, uh, the university had a team. And they provided with all the horses and all the transportation. I mean, that, that stuff was the best deal I ever had in my life, <laughs> playing for free. Yeah, basically. Mm. horses are not cheap. You know, everything is like a a thousand dollars, like a bale of. I hay. didn't even know that they they are as polo teams in the United States. Honestly. Yeah, they have they have a few teams here. Uh, you know, and especially I think in Oregon, a couple of universities have up uh, you know uh, teams, varsity teams, oh, okay. polo teams. Well, you're you're a well-rounded person, and but you're he, you're here for a reason. That's right. That's right. Well, I wanted to to bring a subject that maybe you guys can you know we can brainstorm together and you guys can give me advice. Yeah, that's uh, what we that's what we do. You know, and uh, the subject is uh, is is, is uh, probably more complicated than than you know than okay. normal. We'll we'll be the judge of that. <laughs> you know. Well, there's, uh, you know, I'm, uh, you know, uh, like I said, I love traveling and I love nature. And obviously the reason why I travel is because I want to experience, you know, the, the, the world and, and see nature. And, and because of that, I, you know, it tells you that I appreciate nature. And um, this problem has uh, takes place in, in my home country, Ecuador. You know, we have uh, 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 the country has three different uh, geographic zones is uh, the, the coast the 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 mountains and then you have the jungle and the jungle is basically the majority of the of the country and this uh, and in this in this jungle you have the national the the national park Yasuni and yes the and Yasuni is a, is an area that has uh, about let's see has about uh, 800 millions of uh, of oil it's a reserve, which equals about 20% of the oil reserves of the country. So, however, though, this, this area, Rasuni, is one of the most uh, important uh, natural areas in the world, not only in the country, but in the world. It has a lot of different species. 
there's flora, fauna, and uh, going beyond that, they have a couple uh, tribes that live there. Uh, one of those tribes is uh, is in t- you know, they have they're in touch with the with the civilization with the rest of the people in Ecuador, but there's uh, another two tribes actually that live there and they have decided to be the untouched. They they they're isolated from everybody else. Um, going back to 2007, the country you know the economy in Ecuador was uh, was bad and the country and the government decided to to take this oil out. And and uh, and pretty much uh, disregard what was all the all the all the nature what was going on there. So they say, well, in order for us not to drill here, we want the con- the the you know t- we want the rest of the world to give us money. And this, I'm just going to give you a just in general statement without getting mm-hmm. into numbers. So we don't we won't drill and we will save the, the this uh, this area, this national park. Um, I think three three years went by. They did get some money from certain countries. I, I think there was a group of seven countries, and eventually they say, "You know what? We're not getting any money out of this deal. We're going to have to drill to save the economy of the country." Um, at that point, uh, there's uh, all these environmentals and uh, groups, and uh, and just the regular Ecuadorian people uh, uh, say, "No way! No, you're not going to drill there here. This is this is something that we have to preserve," and they. Uh, and they say, well, we're gonna call it to a boat. So they they uh, they call it to a boat, and uh, they call it referendum. And the referendum collected about, uh, I think it was almost a hundred thousand signatures to pass. So this group, this group, uh, Yes Unidos, which is the one who directed the referendum, collected all the funds that went to the government and say, okay, if we have this many f- signatures, you. You know, we can vote against you guys drilling and the whole thing will come to stop. They collected the signatures, they sent it to the government. The government, instead of counting all, this, all the signatures in public, they took it behind walls and they say that they didn't have enough signatures and, and uh, even more, some of the signatures were were fake. And they say this is, is a no-go, the whole thing was a fraud. And, um, and, and decided to go ahead and drill. So this was uh, this happened in 2013. So since 2013, we have been, uh, I say we, the people of Ecuador, have been trying to to fight this decision, uh, you know, the government for the government to drill, and uh, the they when decide, I mean, the, the, this whole drill is going to start in 2016, which is next year. So the drilling hasn't started yet, or it has? It's going to start in January 2016. Okay. Yeah, so it's like they're prepping now. That is really soon. That's like a couple so, months away. So basically, uh, you know, the, the and and the process in order to 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 bring all these machines and everything into the into this area where they're going to drill, they uh, they have to to build this this uh, this uh, road. So it was like a freeway. Well, they, it was supposed to be a small road. <laughs> But they say, okay, we're gonna do it. We're gonna do it responsibly. We're gonna just build this little tiny road. But now they have some satellite pictures and drones they have sent over there, and taking pictures of this almost free freeway-like roads they have built. So, you know, and even more, the the shock. One of the shocking things is that um, this whole decision of drilling came about in 2013. About two months ago, they discovered some documents 
uh, there was uh, where well, it shows a deal between the government of China and the government of Ecuador uh, dealing over the, who was going to take this this uh, this oil. They very sold and this the happened, oil. And this happened before 2013, mm. meaning this whole thing was already negoti- pre-negotiated yeah. before the the decision was taken and before all this. All the signatures were supposed to stop this whole deal. Oh my God. This is making me angry. <laughs> so, and and the, but the interesting thing is, there's a company it's called Petroecuador. Petroecuador is a, is the oil company, is a state-run company, oil company that's going to run this this whole thing. Uh, the other day, I went to their website, and uh, you, you you know you go www.petroecuador.com, and fifty percent of this Ecuadorian you know, state company's website is in Chinese. Hmm. So, you know, think about it. it, 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 it hmm, I'm putting two and two together. Sounds like a cover-up of something. So anyways, the, so the... It's the, despicable. It's horrible. So that's obviously, uh, you know, despite the fact that I'm living here, you know, I'm, I'm still in touch with Ecuador. I go, I try to go there as much as I can. And uh, and stuff like that just makes me extremely mad. So the question is, you know, are we is how can we? Obviously, a lot of people are aware of the situation in Ecuador, you know, because obviously the, the they're being bombarded with news and and they know exactly what's going on. But you know what's going to happen in there when once they drill, this is going to destroy a, a, a national park and basically and it's going to affect the rest of the world because of the carbon emissions and they said that the carbon carbon emissions they would need a forest the size of the uk in order to absorb all the carbon emissions that are going to be produced after the drill there so you know wouldn't here in the u.s everybody's talking about global warming they're very concerned you know here in, in this area in, in oregon the northwest that's a big deal that would something like that would never happen i mean you know and uh but it's happening down there and in, in, it had happened in the past. You know, there's mm-hmm. an, right now there is an ongoing lawsuit between uh, the government in Ecuador and um, in, at that time it was called Texaco. This is back in 1990. Uh, uh, was there a documentary about that? There are several documentaries. I there's, think I've uh, seen that. Actually. Yeah, that's one the, of them. The, the, the Texaco, that was, it's called, was, it was called Texaco, now is a Chevron. That's a new name because a lot of people. I remember mean, both of those. Yeah, so that, that uh like i said that's that's an ongoing uh, uh, there's an ongoing uh, lawsuit because these people went over there back in the 1990s i believe and and literally drill you know without taking in consideration uh, you know anything. all the norms or anything they were supposed to follow i mean there it shouldn't i mean you shouldn't go there period i mean there's Correct. no matter how uh, well you try not to disturb that, that the environment you're going to do it now they uh, now they have people uh, the majority of the population living around that area when, where Texaco drill are suffering of can they have cancer um, kids are being born with deformities you know the, it's it's horrible and and nobody's been accounted for uh, you know the the the, the case was uh, was taking place the the the, the, the this lawsuit and the, the case was treated in, new, in the court in New York. And I think it was thrown out, but then it came back. It was moved to a different location. So it's been lingering for you know almost twenty years now. Mm-hmm. So, so, um, so one question I have is, you said there's there's already been petitions. That was like one thing that I noticed a lot of times recently that like 
there's more and more petitions that actually have been like doing good. Um, but you said that they just took the petition and just say like, oh no, there's not enough signatures. Or right. The problem is the government has a lot, of, especially this particular government. And you know, I, I usually don't take sides. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm a easy going guy. I'm not a left. I'm not on the right. I'm you know, I'm just I just want what is right. And 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 uh, but just telling you the truth i mean the, the government right now is is, is very uh, uh, authoritarian they they uh they do uh, and undo whatever they want and is, and is there votes for i mean for their government or or your gov- the ecuadorian government or is it um you know you know like if here even though it doesn't happen often like people can vote people out of office right. but does it happen at yeah all? you have a, it's a democracy so yes uh-huh. you do have a you know you, you have elections every four years However, and I don't know if you know how much people are aware, but right now in South America, the, uh, more than four countries are uh, have been um, run by by ultra left uh, political parties, if you will. So, for instance, uh, the popular one that everybody knows is Venezuela, Hugo Chavez. You know, the guy died, and Maduro, who was the vice president, took over. The country is now a disaster. I mean. Uh, you had uh, you have Brazil, you know you have Lula who is a, a left guy, a, a left political party, uh, ultra left. Um, I don't want to say communist because you know, but you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and now uh, his uh, party J uh, is running that country. Um, same thing happened in Argentina. Uh, same thing happened is happening in Bolivia with uh, with uh, more, uh, with Evo Morales. Uh, the guy's been there more than two terms, I think in ecuador so now ecuador you have correa who who has been there already for he's running his second term he's uh, in second office second term of office but he's with the power that he has now because at one point he dissolved the the congress and created a uh, almost like a, an equivalence of a congress was basically his puppets he um he's uh in the process of changing the constitution so he can because uh, he can run as many times as he wants. Oh, wow. In other words, in other words, I mean, it's, so it's gonna be like he's trying to do what Fidel Castro did in Cuba. Right. I don't. The difference is, I don't think Cuba they were they didn't have elections. I think the guy was just there. But basically, um, in this case, going back to Yashini, the you know you have all these people collecting the by law uh, they needed to collect more than hundred thousand fi- signatures. But, but by law, once the signatures were collected, it needed to be turned into the government for them to do the counting and, and approve it. But obviously, when you have a corrupt government, yeah. you know, they made all kinds of stories. They say that some, that some of the signatures were done by kids. They say that there were signatures that people have signed Superman and Batman on it. Uh, they were, that some people have signed more than nine times the same name. But they actually went back to the original copies of the signatures and all that stuff was a lie. Well, I mean, it's horrible because this place is incredible. I mean, it has more biodiversity in like a second of it than all of Canada, all of America. I mean, when I was researching, I knew nothing about this before you brought it to our attention. I was going to say, I, me too. Yeah, I knew. Yeah. And, you know, thank you for bringing, I mean, because I knew yeah. nothing about it. There's puddles in the jungle floor made by animal tracks so not a big puddle that have fish in it like that's that's how much life is just happening there are fish that can live in a puddle 
that an animal footprint makes. Dang. <laughs> there's more insects, especially. There's more insects, variety, a diversity of insects than there are in the entire world. Bats, too, especially birds, mammal life as well. And amphibians, for, off the charts. Yeah, I, when you were t- saying all this stuff, the first thing I kept thinking also is like how uh, how whatever the news, t- you know, like nowadays you Google stuff and it's like pertain to each person. But like, I mean, you hear talks about China and you hear talks about, you know, other countries, you know, over in Europe area or whatever. You, I rarely hear anything about Central or South America. Yeah. In in the United States, at least I, I mean, at least in my news feed. Yeah. It's very rare. So like, you, you know, like I I've seen docu- a documentary about uh, I think the Texaco thing. Yeah, the and Texaco. They, there was a lawsuit and stuff, and it, even the lawsuit was not like it was a couple of million dollars, but it was not nearly enough t- for what they you know, I mean, really it, deserved. It's right. out of sight, out of mind. It is out of sight, yeah. And and, uh, and that's what I mentioned on you know when uh, when we talked before. I say is this is this one of those things? Is it one, is it like a side of out of side out of mind things? And 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 how do we change that? Obviously, yeah. you know, there's Yasunidos, which is this this uh, uh, environmental group in Ecuador. They doing their job, and you know, put on their website out there. But how, what else can we do? You know to to educate people uh, or to make people aware of the situation you know but at the same time when i make myself that question is well do people even want to hear about it you know? i i think i think nowadays i think well at least in america and this is what i've noticed over the past couple of years is uh i know that there's once I, I can't remember how or what happened but like one day i was like i want to sign a petition or maybe help you know something like Something I know it's just, it's like small stuff, but then like you see how many things that people start and like and there's changes because people uh, donate money to these changes, and there's people involved changing things. So I think if, if there's any time, like now is the time that people are more aware, especially of this like global warming thing. The biggest hurricane ever recorded happened like a couple days ago. Right. Um, and also there's the good news that I heard recently, and I don't know what is the repercussions of it, but. I know that like Obama said like you know signed something about Shell drilling in the Arctic. I heard Shell pulled out and they're not going to drill. Like really? they they chose not to drill. So I'm wondering. I'm like hopefully maybe that like I mean I know that most or most sane people know that oil's on the it's way out. Like right. it's not like all it does is harm the environment and there's there's so many better ways to do things. So like I like I don't know like the how to get well. Well, that's what we're gonna talk about, but yeah. like how to get people involved. But like, I think that now people are like paying attention more. Right. Um, but I will say that uh, in America, I, me personally, like South America, Central America has kind of been not in the news not much at news. all. Like it's yeah. kind of like under the radar. Right. Well, here's yeah. my question. So Ugo, on a scale of one to 10, you know, how passionate are you about this issue? Like if 10 was the most important thing to you, like your family or your wife Mm -hmm. you know something something that's it of course no question so then on that scale where does this issue fall and if we're just being i mean nobody can solve the the problems of the world right was definitely close to 10 really because obviously that's the reason why i brought it to you guys Uh, is it very important to me thank you um thank you and 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 this it's hard to explain but when after you know living in ecuador you know i never really when i was living in ecuador i should say i never really appreciated the country itself i mean that ecuador is an amazing place 
you know, uh, as far as geography and you know the things that the country has to offer. And you know, it took me, it took for me to move to the, here to the U.S. to realize how amazing that country b was, mm -hmm. and and that's why I started going back to climb all these mountains. And you know, when you go climb all these mountains, you get yourself in the middle of all these amazing areas and terrains. And and then I was like, oh my God, you know, this is this is paradise. And and this whole thing, you know, ha started happening with the Texaco thing, with the lawsuit, and that's when I started sort of, you know, not necessarily getting directly involved, but you know, trying to to learn more about it. And then this Yasuni kicks in, and it's like this is just getting ridiculous, you know. So, um, and like I mentioned to you, you guys earlier before, you know, this 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 all this research and all these conversations sort of inspired me to to because I'm I'm actually going back there next year, um, uh, through to that area to to see it, you know. And and I mentioned that at work, and somebody said, "Well, where are you going to go there? You know, what are you going to do?" It's like, well. You have to go to, you have to see it, you have to be there to understand. And, you know, hopefully that will get me closer to the, to the, to what's going on and, and, and maybe do something about it. Because, you know, here we are sitting talking about it, but truly I haven't done anything more than just talk. And I would like to be more, you know. Now, I, my, this is one of, one of my advice uh, that I'll say, and it works for me. I haven't ever done something as radical as this, but, um, I mean, making a documentary, especially recently, has caused, I mean, a lot of changes. And, I mean, I know Gasland I turned off because it bothered me so much. Right. And, but the thing is, like, you know, fracking is happening. But, like, I feel like if Gasland didn't come out, I mean, fracking's happening all over America. But I, you, you're starting to see, like, New York, you know, called uh, said it's illegal now to do it in, in New York. And I think that... Um, that's one voice you know now everybody has cell phones and everybody's you know recording like troubles they see and it goes viral and i'm wondering if you know possibly doing a documentary or interviewing some of these like leaders if you i don't know well, you, i mean that's playing to your strengths uh, it is playing to my strengths but i will say i mean just because it's my strength doesn't mean that other people wouldn't want to jump on board or like you wrote that you said in the in the intro like you wrote a letter and you you know, there, you you have you could write letters to possibly get an interview with someone right. or things like that. And these are just like just things off the top of my head, really. Yeah, because you're looking for action, like you're, yeah. you're right. And and you know, you just gave me an idea right there. Oh, no, there you go, yeah. awesome. Because you know, the, the thing is, a lot of this, you know, you say get get involved, and and the thing is, a lot of uh, it, which is sad. A lot of Ecuadorians, you know, most of the Ecuadorians sort of. I think it becomes everyday's news. And they mm -hmm. get used to it and they kind of like say, oh, yeah, yeah, this stuff is bad. But, you know, they go on with their lives. That was like uh, in America in like the mid 2000s, I think. Yeah. But now, you know, uh, what I have on my advantage is the fact that I'm living here. You know, I have I know people who truly believe, uh, you know, uh, or worry about those things. And people like you, you know, you you're a filmmaker. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can say, hey, hey Jason, let's go and 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 make a film let's go make a documentary and uh and eventually it'll get out there and and that'll be a way to you know to make a small difference or a way to get people to get people involved and aware of the situation right the awareness is i think the important part too because like i said i i didn't know about this i know a lot of things like this happening around but 
because you know it's it's when it's not in your backyard and since the internet is becoming more personal to whoever's on it themselves, right. um, it and kind that, of slips through the cracks. And I think people here, generally speaking, you know, uh, young generations like ourselves, you know, are in the U.S. particular more are more uh, not interesting, but they feel more. What is the word? Sorry, <laughs> I feel like the, the need of, of making a change, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. in other words, I'm not saying they're going to create an army of Americans to go save Ecuador, but you know, most likely here, this is the best place, meaning in the United or here, even Portland, the best place to get people into it. And well, I mean, you are talking about having an advantage where you are an Ecuadorian American, like you're living in America. And yeah. By the way, do you have a dual? password yes That's yes my life goal <laughs> <laughs> i am very jealous but uh you know you're you're living here and you know americans delight in you know an expat they just they just eat it up and to speak to it and to, i mean you've inspired us i mean i definitely didn't know anything about it and to hear you speak about it i mean i encourage you to keep keep talking right you know i mean and, and also this is like you're saying about the younger generation like I don't. I've never done one of these before, and I always see it. But I think that they're they're kind of cool. Is is when people like if you made a, and this is all top like if you made a poster of something that kind of just represents what's happening, and it just became like you know a hashtag of some sort, or you know just things like that. Then people start clicking on it, and then all of a sudden it's in most people's Facebook feeds, right. and then all of a sudden now the issue is on the table, and then that's when people start asking you know. Maybe there's an up-and-coming congressman in Flor- or in, uh, in you know the United States that right. want they don't have a, a goal of any sort to like stand out. Well, now they can now they have a purpose. Like maybe I'm gonna be the one who tries to to help this you know right, uh, right. situation. And- well, I mean, brought to my attention by you, this is now like oh, okay, I want to save the whales and I care about this national park in Ecuador, Houston, but you know these are huge, huge problems and yeah you know and you don't want to break your back i mean you still have to like live your life yeah yeah and i think it's important for people to understand that this is you know yes it is uh, it it appears to be a a local ecuadorian problem but it goes beyond that because it Mm -hmm. does affect you know after doing research and i'm sure people can do that themselves they'll find out that this is this is a problem that will affect it's you know, the last. The whole world. It's the last. Exactly. You know, little. Let's see. It's the last little piece of magic. You know. This is part of the rainforest, isn't it? Or? Yes. Yeah. Ugh, yes. I mean, it, and you know, okay, and so the president, which we're discovering, you know, it's like there was a, a corruption from the beginning, and he was going to mm. sell it to China no matter what, you know. But his cop out was, hey, international world, give me three hundred billion dollars, which was half of the projected sales of the oil. And they, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio got involved with other other people. And the world gave them or pledged 300 million. And actually only like the real cash in the bank was 13 million. So the world didn't play ball, but it sounded like he, you know, he was going to sell it anyway. And we got to stop him. He was going to sell it. The sad thing is they thought that that was the, you know, the the golden egg they was going to, they will save was going to save the economy, which is, is is not true. I mean, going back in the history of Ecuador, this same thing happened back in 1970. Back in the 70s, the biggest uh, source of, uh, of revenue of income for the country was oil, but that didn't change. The, the, you know that that didn't change their their situation, and eventually got worse. 
the oil dried up and uh, they went back to agriculture which is what has been uh, you know bringing back to the country okay. so somebody was saying this is going to be the same situation mm-hmm. you know and and they come everything comes down to i mean to corruption because the, the yes they may make you know millions and billions of dollars uh, taking this oil out but all that money is going to disappear as it hits the the bureaucracy and uh, all the corruption and and within the within the government yeah it's not really going to come it, back it's interesting he said china because i was thinking america we you know we're trying to pledge to get off of oil and like move to different things but then now i think about it you know china has lowered their emissions but now they're just going somewhere else to do it it's almost like yeah they're just place oh that's so weird well and then there's also you know to speak to the several tribes of native people who live on this land and there's two particular tribes they're like nope not us not ever and big oil has had their eyes on this reserve forever i mean there's stories from like the 40s and these tribes which i applaud them they they just kill they just kill loggers they kill oil people and because they can't hack it yeah they're not ready this is like dances with wolves it's the same thing you know it's, it's it's sad you know the the thing is they 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 say that if this this uh moves forward or this uh this drilling or this this um there are two things you know the with this going to happen with this with these tribes living in there tribes the karagedi and the taro menani those are the two tribes that live in isolation there uh basically the, you, the loggers go loggers go will go in uh, to make all these roads and 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 they will actually they will actually get in touch with these people and get into these fights you know, physical fights and mm-hmm. you read about it that they actually kill some loggers some members of these tribes number one and number two is that these people have been living in isolation for such a long time that they haven't been exposed to certain you know a common uh, uh say the flu common um diseases i guess that we have so they're saying you know there's gonna be a huge number of uh, of people uh, workers going into that area they will eventually get in touch with these people these people get sick i mean this is just basic stuff and Mm -hmm. and they'll disappear they'll die yeah yeah Uh, and it's kind of like going back to when the Spaniards uh, went to America, you know? Yeah, and I was actually, it's funny you said that because I was watching the, like the history of America or the story of us on Netflix. And, you know, in, when I grew up, in, you know, I grew up in like Florida and whatever. And, and even last night I was talking to a friend of mine and we were talking about like kids nowadays who are in high school or not even high school, but like uh, kids. Um, 9-11 is not... A thing for them it's just in something in the history books right um and when i was thinking we were all kind of talking about what was in our history books but then i started asking i was like well how much of that was even true because even now now it's time like we're kind of saying like no we were we you know just took this place over and we did a lot of injustice to native american people mm-hmm. and because we're aware of it it's 2015 you'd think that we'd be like okay Let's not do this. You know what I'm saying? It's it's kind of like, but history repeats itself and it's really sad. And, right. But I don't know. Uh, well, I think I'm ready to give my final advice. Yeah, okay. me too. Are you, have you come to a Listening. verdict? Listening. <laughs> 
Well, I mean, gauging on the one to ten scale, so you're saying this is close to ten. This is very close. Well, yeah, I, I mean, obviously, it's, it's close to. I want to say it's close to ten, just because it's you know it, it has to do with my 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 country and and something. And I love my country. You know, mm-hmm. that's. Uh, I sound like uh, Trump. I love my country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yes, it's very important. I mean, I want to put numbers to it, but is 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 definitely an issue that you know it's it's been in my head for a long time. Well then, I mean, I think that you got to go for the gold. And I I don't necessarily know what path that's going to take. I think that you need to play to your strengths. You know, Jason went to making a documentary which can be really powerful. Um I I wouldn't you know, presume to know your stronger, you know, like how you want to kind of fight this or bring awareness to Americans. I think that you're in a unique position where people will want to listen. And, you know, we delight in an expat living in our country. And, you know, you're interesting. You're, you're somebody who, of course, you would want to talk to at a cocktail party. And I think that you swim in a circle where you could contact a lot of people who could donate or just get inspired. I mean, right. I was clearly inspired and informed because I knew nothing about this before it was brought to my attention. That's great. I, I'm glad and, it happened. Yeah. And, you know, of course, being on this podcast with our millions of listeners. Billions of billion, listeners. Excuse That's me. right. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> this is this is the first step. <laughs> yeah, we're we're doing it together. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my advice is to go for the gold. You're going there. I think that you're going to get inspired and let it be you know a really strong passion i mean let it be like your hobby and your project you know you do have i mean i am advising self-care and to live your life and go to the important things and pay your bills and all you know like floss your teeth yada 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 but uh you know maybe maybe it takes over motorcycling maybe it takes over horses (laughs) but that's my advice go for it and my i'm just gonna like i have some of the same advice that jay said um, is, I mean, you, you said that you've written letters to people and, and, you know, to, uh, higher ups that responded, you know, I would say that, I mean, awareness is the first thing and there, there's so many like petitions that if you put this to, you know, a, someone that reaches a lot of people like change.org or something, that's just the first step. That's showing that like people are aware and maybe they're donating. I don't even know like how they even go about like causing the changes, but a lot of times I'll get these petitions back. It's like you did it, you stopped this from happening or this from happening. Right, right. So they either have the the power to do it or they know people. But then on top of that, also like you know, I think politicians have one goal: they're just trying to get people to like them. Or, you know, they they're not really for you know like necessarily for the cause, but they're for showing for the cause. So even if you wrote and just you know, contacted a American politician that that looks at this and like this is my, you know, like opportunity to shine. Right. Right. You know, you could even piggyback off of that because that is also like some influence. And then I'd say that, you know, like like I said, like like playing their strengths, but also like documentaries or or things that go viral. Like that's, I mean, there's so many times you're on Facebook and you see like this thing you've never heard of somehow going viral. And I think that's all it sometimes takes nowadays. It can like be explosive. It can, you know, happen over time. But yeah, I I, I agree. I mean, look look what's going on in the middle. What, what happened in the Middle East? All the Middle East revolution started with mm-hmm. social media. Social media. Yeah, you know? exactly. And um, and uh, is is Ecuador is it considered a third world country or no? Yeah, was it political correct? 
term is the developing country. Oh, developing country. I was, uh, no, I used to call it, you know. How dare you? Yeah. How dare you? No, it's funny. Yeah. I was, I've been corrected a few times, but it's, because <laughs> I call it, you know, is 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 a uh, third world country. It is what it yeah. is, you know, just to, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah, the, um, you know, there's definitely some, this, I will, you know, start doing try, uh, things, try, uh, trying to make it a, uh, it's gonna be a small, you know, like small steps, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, okay, uh, Matt. Just you know, ideal. Like you know, what do you see yourself doing? I mean, like. Well, to begin with, you I know, fantasy. I, I mean, just like I can't. I won the lottery. Like, what does that look like in your brain? Well, you know, just being on the staying on the realistic path here. Okay. Uh, definitely, okay. Uh, I'm. Uh, I'm gonna get this trip organized. That has been in my head. It was sort of already planned in my head, but I was it's been de- I've been delaying it, delaying it. But I'm just gonna make it happen. Try to go there sometime in next in 2016. Um, luckily, I do have the contacts to get in there. A, a little piece of information: after the 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 government decided to go ahead with the drilling at the beginning of the uh, beginning of 2016, they have shut down and closed all the areas, so they're not letting anybody go in there. Those crooks, uh, especially and, media. Well, I was gonna, yeah. That's the uh, next thing I'll say is you mentioned you know people from National Geographic, even though uh. they were bought by Fox. But still, I was thinking, you know, maybe you can get them to take some pictures of what's going on down there. Right. I, I mean, that's a, a great cold, I have a, cold letter. I have a great friend who's a uh, who's he's a biologist. He's a uh, he's a probably a year older than me, and he's uh, he all oh, his life he dedicated to study bats. Mm-hmm. in that area yes so i this is the guy who uh sort of contacted a few months ago say let's you know can you help me let's go in there he said absolutely he knows the area he knows the people so so there's is is a way to do it you know yeah and um and jason you got me thinking now you know maybe maybe i can take you along with me you that know? you know that would be a pretty fun adventure you say. should go because <laughs> i mean seriously I, I mean there's so much i can do because you know in the past like this national geographic thing my idea was to go and, and, and write an article. There's a climbing magazine they had published on mm-hmm. my pictures. And I was going to send them an article, but because it was a National Geographic trip, uh, I, I had to sign a uh, like a release form that I wouldn't use any of the pictures or nor talk about the trip. So that was the end of, of that <laughs> story. Mm-hmm. But in this particular case, this trip that I was planning, is, is, it's just uh, so far as this uh, biolog- biologist, rather, my friend, and uh, myself, so there's only two people. With. So I was gonna try to write about it, you know, for the same magazine. But if we can bring cameras there, that would be a different. And you, know, we, we, just take it, we take it to the next level. Going on that a trip, super interesting. like we're using your passport. I need to get okay, a passport. Okay, I gotta, I gotta put pause on this episode, and I have to break co-host lines and give you advice to go on this trip yeah. with him, <laughs> and then play. We're back on. Wow. But yeah, so that that would be the first step. The first, just to go there, get more involved, mm-hmm. and uh, come back, and you know, continue doing things like this. You know, talking about it and and like you say, social me- social media, and and do more of this podcast so people can can find out about it. Well, I'm cheering you on. I'm cheering you on, and I'm wishing you well. And I think that you're well on your way. Awesome. Yeah, I, 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 me too. I think that. You have influence and you know how to go about getting it. So that's the first step. Also, you know, 
I see a vein, maybe possible political career in your in your later <laughs> later in your life. You know, getting getting on the ground floor, making a cool doc. You know, something. You know, but this could be your platform, and of course, you won't be corrupted. Yeah, and you'll be, you know, you'll be the Bernie Sanders. That's right. There you <laughs> go. Build a burn. Build <laughs> a you go. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us, Ugo. It has been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. Thank yeah. you very much to the two of you. Yeah. 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 Well, that's that's this episode of Chavice. I'm Jason Williams. I'm Jay Flewelling. and Ugo Cordova. See you later. Goodbye. Adiós. <laughs>